0: BLOB TALK RADIO so much for joining me today on The Quantum Communicator. And I'm your host, Victor Schiller, and I'm glad to have you with me today. And I'm really excited for today's conversation because we're going to talk about concepts that revolve around our health and our happiness and the way we think and the way that our thoughts can have an effect on our bodies and our lives in general. And And I'm really excited uh, about this concept because I, because I love talking about it and I think that the the spin that we're going to have on it today will be very fascinating to you and very appealing to you. Uh, did you know that today about 133 million Americans, nearly half of all adults, live with some sort of chronic medical condition? And, in fact, a study by the Johns Hopkins University reported that 75% of health care costs in America are spent on people with chronic illnesses, and the amount of chronic illnesses is rising, according to the Center for Disease Control and and that's why I'm so delighted to have my guest today, Dr. Larry Berkelhammer, because uh, he knows a lot about uh, chronic illness and he knows a lot about what we can do and how we can empower ourselves to not only overcome chronic illness, but what we can do to just enhance our lives in general and bring us more satisfaction and bring us more happiness and more fulfillment in every day, in everyday life. If you don't know who Dr. Larry Berkheimer is, uh, he has lived with several chronic medical conditions since childhood, and for decades he endured the frustration of not knowing the causes of his physical problems. And then, well into adulthood, he was diagnosed with two autoimmune diseases and a primary immunodeficiency disease. And at the same time, he was told there was no known cures for any of them, and that a treatment would take—or sorry—would make others would make some of his conditions worse. And then what happened was he became curious about what practical steps he and others could do to improve health and well-being, and he trained with several world leaders in psycho-oncology, psychophysiology, and psychoneuroimmunology. And finally, he discovered uh, that there was a lot of uh, a lot of hope in what he calls self-discovering and training in value-based behaviors, and we're going to dive into that. Uh, But also. Uh, he wrote a book that helps others with similar conditions, and he calls it In Your Hands, New Hope for People with Chronicle, Chronic Medical Conditions. And so uh, without further ado, I'd like to welcome my guest, Larry Burkelhammer, to the show. Larry, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it, and I'm really excited to talk to you today about uh, about your book and just concepts in general.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Victor. I'm looking forward to sharing information with your audience that I... Find has been very helpful. um, Sharing the research, uh, showing what has been most helpful—not only for people with chronic illness, but really for everyone who just wants to live a happier life. Um, Because one of the things that happened to me was I discovered that um, in my research, and I'm not a—I'm not a lab researcher. I'm more of a journalist researcher in that. I study the studies. Um, I don't have a lab, but what I discovered in in studying the literature that's out there, the published literature from science journals, is that there is a pretty strong association between happiness and health. So one of the most interesting things I discovered and that I teach is that aside from getting good medical care and practicing good self-care through diet and exercise and sleep and so forth, one of the best things we can do uh, for our health is to do whatever we can do to improve our happiness. And uh, that was pretty mind-boggling when I discovered that that happy people tend to be healthier people. And unhappy people tend to develop chronic illness. Uh, earlier in life.
0: So, very interesting, very yeah. interesting. So for, from a practical perspective for us, you know, if we're just talking about not necessarily someone who's who's dealing with chronic illness, I don't, although we may have chronic illness or we may know someone with chronic illness, but let's just take the average ordinary person who doesn't really have chronic illness. Um, what are your recommendations or or what are you seeing that would be applicable to us so that we can we can try to uh, or or make our best effort and put put ourselves in the in the best situation to ensure that we are playing out what you had suggested, which right. is to to be that happy person to have that happy lifestyle to give us the the best shot at at continued uh, good health.
1: Yeah. So there were there there are a number of things uh and in my book in your own hands i talk about i have a separate chapter for each one of those things the one that i put at the very top and i put it there because it's it's the the one thing that has more evidence than anything else and that has to do with social connections so people who live isolated lives people who don't have good close relationships, romantic relationships, family relationships, friendships, uh, good work relationships, people who tend to have problems in relationship and who have fewer friends and fewer social connections, Uh, the evidence is very clear that those people develop chronic illness in middle age much earlier than other people. They're generally unhappy people. And that if we want to be happy and healthy, the single most important thing is we need to uh, cultivate social connections. So uh, we need to work at improving our family relationships, work at improving romantic relationships, work at improving friendships and increasing the number of friends we have. And I say work at because, you know, it's very easy to just, Take the easy way and just wait for other people to do that, but it doesn't happen so for example, if I'm out in public in a market or anywhere um I talk to strangers uh when i have when I'm with friends or colleagues or a family or uh with my wife, whenever there's some tension in the air um, I, I I name it. I, I say, oh, gee, I, I'm wondering if uh, it seems like there's some tension in the air, and can we talk about this? And so everything you do to improve relationships, it will improve your state of well-being. And well-being is the scientific term for happiness. It's the same thing. It's just a lot of people, when they hear the word happiness, they think uh, of a superficial form of happiness—the kind of happiness you get from eating a, a tasty dessert—that's uh, sure. not the kind of happiness that I'm talking about. So I, I generally use the term well-being, which is a more uh, lifelong type of happiness. And that, and that, and the first thing that brings about that, or that improves that level of happiness, is social connectivity. There, there are numerous studies out there showing that. Um, that the people with the most social support are the happiest and healthiest and the people with the least number of friends are the least healthy and the least happy. And I'm not talking about Facebook friends. That's not the kind of friends. I'm talking about the kind of friends who are there for you in time of need, the kind of friends who will ask you for help in their time of need and that you can be there for them just as they can be there for you. Those kinds of friends. People with those kinds of friends Tend to live healthier, happier, richer lives.
0: Well, that's that's very fascinating, and it doesn't surprise me. But that's fascinating that 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 sort of deeper happiness, the well-being you you name it as as well-being, and you you identify it as a well-being that that it is it's related to uh, the level of well-being that we have is related to our social interactions. That's very fascinating. Um, and now that's a that's a relationship that we have with other people. But what about the relationship that we have with ourselves and the things that we that we talk about? Uh you know, we talk to yeah. other people and and we think things about other people, but but isn't there some some role in the thoughts that we that we share with ourselves and that the things that we think and we hold within ourselves that can also have a profound impact on not only our level of happiness but our level of well-being and and personal health?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a really important point. Um one of the, the things, and I also have a whole chapter on this, is self-acceptance. Um, and, you know, people have the wrong idea about, a lot of people have the wrong idea about self-acceptance. In fact, there are a lot of uh, self-help books out there on self-acceptance that are not based on any hard evidence. And um, so it's really important that we learn how to be comfortable with ourselves, that we learn to love and appreciate ourselves, that we learn to practice good self-care, that we learn to value ourselves. And um, so the the way to do this is to accept every part of ourselves. And that's easier said than done. But here's how the evidence shows That it's done. And that is that when you have a thought, so typically part of being human is we have uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. Uh, Some of the most uncomfortable are feelings around shame. When we're feeling shame, we just want to hide. We want to run away. We want to suppress that feeling. It's too uncomfortable. That, what happens is, when we suppress our thoughts, when we suppress our emotions, we end up reject. It's a self-rejection. If we reject our thoughts and we reject our feelings, we are practicing rejection of ourself. It's the opposite of self-acceptance. So the, the secret to self-acceptance is to allow ourselves to fully experience our inner subjective experience. So when we have an unpleasant thought, when we have a really unpleasant feeling, emotion, unpleasant sensation, the idea is to allow ourselves to fully experience it. If we try to push it away, we're pushing ourselves away because our thoughts and our feelings are part of who we are. So the more we can accept our thoughts and feelings and allow ourselves to fully experience whatever that feels like however awful it feels like the more we can we learn to accept ourselves and that's how we develop that's how the research shows that we develop true self-acceptance the kind of self-acceptance that will always be there for us
0: that's pretty fascinating and i, I like that i like that idea of of uh, allowing ourselves to to take in the whole subjective Experience of the subjective perspective, because so many times when we uh, when we think about something, we automatically associate those thoughts with us, and we personally attach ourselves to those thoughts. And then, but in, in some ways, those thoughts become who we are, instead of just uh, separating them from ourselves and understanding that if we just we let it play out and we identify it for what it is, which is a thought, and 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 we sort of not not eliminated from us but detach ourselves personally from it and, and view yeah. it from that observer standpoint it makes yeah. it makes a huge difference, doesn't it?
1: That's exactly that's exactly it. You've just described it perfectly. Um instead of trying to get rid of the thought, by embracing the thought, um, we accept not only the thought, but we accept ourselves and and um so it's really all about, it's about being fully present with whatever our experience is. And there's there's an expression, um, there are several expressions, similar things that all have the same meaning. One is, if you don't want it, you'll have it. Another expression is, what you resist persists. <laughs> the harder we try to push away unwanted thoughts and unwanted feelings, the stronger they get. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I saw a cartoon once. In fact, it's in one of my PowerPoint slides of a, a little girl sitting with a giant monster. And the little girl is offering the monster tea. And that's kind of how it is. You know, when we have really, really, you know, thoughts and feelings that are just really icky and we do not want to have them, uh, if we try to push the harder, we try to push them away. The stronger they get, the more they bother us. Whereas, if we just accept them and offer them tea and let them be there, then they can't harm us. They can only harm us by fighting them.
0: Sure, and, and by and by taking that time to just observe them and, and invite them in, so to speak, and to take that in. In some way, too, it 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 actually it actually. Uh, takes away that power that it has over us too it it, it no longer becomes a thing that that has power over us or or disempowers us Uh, yeah we actually are empowering ourselves with the ability to stand there and look at it objectively without without connecting a a negative emotion to it or anything like that but to, to view it objectively
1: you know that's that's actually one of the best ways to empower ourselves um again you're right on it's it's like uh you know, it's all about empowerment and we empower ourselves by allowing ourselves to have to own whatever we're experiencing. That's the ticket to empowerment. Uh we disempower ourselves when we try to push away uh our icky thoughts and feelings.
0: Well that's been very helpful and I really appreciate that. You know, I've heard I've heard some of these concepts and some of these ideas, but the way that you describe them and the and the way that you're sharing them is in a new way and and it's really nice to hear that because it because it, it resonates with me and I'm sure it's going to resonate with other people when they listen to this as well. Um but I wanted to talk to, I wanted to take some time. We've got a we've got some time here. Got a few minutes that we can talk about your book because we really haven't jumped into the book and, and talked about the book itself and and specifically about the book. We made some references. Would you mind sharing with us a little bit about your book and why you wrote it and who it is is written for and what it is for people?
1: You know, when I was first writing it, uh, I mean, when I first submitted the manuscript, uh, the editor said, um, oh, this is a great book for people with chronic illness. And I said, well, I think really it's for everyone. It's not just for people with chronic illness. This book would actually appeal to anyone who's interested in learning how they can live uh, a more fulfilling life. And my editor said, well, yeah, but that's too broad a market, so we're going to market it to the chronic illness crowd. And I said, okay, well, that's all right, but we're missing out on people. The fact is the messages in my book are for everyone. And basically the way it came about is I was always intrigued by why some people who – I noticed without even before I even started looking at the research that that the people I knew who were the happiest people also seemed to feel well more often. And the people who seemed unhappy seemed often to suffer with headaches or arthritis or other things and sleep disturbances. Now you might think, well, And this is why I got into the research. I thought, well, maybe the people who are unhappy are unhappy because they're suffering with physical maladies and the people who are happier are happy because physically they're just healthier and so, of course, they're happier. And so when I started looking at the research, I realized that, no, there's more to it than that. Uh, It's actually that, you know, you wonder about the chicken and egg thing. But it turns out that... um, that if that we can make ourselves we can give ourselves a happier, richer life by practicing certain things. Some of the things we've been talking about. And when we do that, that well here here's how it is. I'm gonna explain it in a different way. Emotional distress is deadly because emotional distress, people don't realize this, but every thought and every feeling As physiological correlates so whenever we experience emotional distress that causes physiological stress and we all know this because whenever you have found yourself going into a rage you feel tight in your body that's not healthy Uh, the heart rate increases the blood pressure jumps up it's it's actually it's very unhealthy Whenever you feel yourself getting uh, really stressed, extremely anxious about anything, heart rate increases, blood pressure increases, stress hormones start being secreted at a much higher rate in the body, very unhealthy. We need the stress hormones because we need to be able to physically act in case we are physically attacked. But most of the time, in fact, It's pretty rare that we're being physically attacked. Most of the time when our stress hormones are coursing through us, it's because of emotional distress. And that emotional distress is causing physiologic stress that is not helpful. Now, physiologic stress, short term, is harmless. The problem is most of us go through the day every day getting stressed out by things that are in our heads it's not a real stressor for example someone cuts us off in traffic okay it's already happened it's it's the past and yet we're still we hold on to it uh either going to a rage or fear anxiety um we're caught we're stuck in traffic and we're late for an appointment well uh going over and over in our heads about how we're going to be late and all the thinking about all the terrible consequences of being late that keeps stressing us out more and more. The reality is when we're stuck in traffic, I often feel gratitude that I have a cell phone and I can call the people and tell them I'm stuck in traffic. I'm sorry, I'm gonna be late. And then I put it out of my mind because it's not gonna do me any good to stress myself out. And every time I stress myself out like that over and over again, that emotional distress is increasing my physiologic stress. And when physiologic stress is chronic on a daily basis, that is very unhealthy. Um, It leads to all kinds of chronic illnesses, acute illnesses. We're more likely to get colds and flu when we're stressed out. Um, And also we're just not going to be happy if we're stressed. Who wants to be stressed out all day long? So, the more we can oh, just own our feelings and let them go by and accept that, oh yeah, there's that thought, there's that feeling and I'm just going to step back from it right now because I've done all I can do and there's nothing more I can do about it. So, I'm just going to let it go. Well, when I do that, I can also let the stress go and the phys- my level of physiologic stress goes way down, which uh is much much better for my health and much much better for my my happiness. <laughs>
0: absolutely. No, that's that's a great approach and I I like I like what you said that you just acknowledge it for what it is then you step back and you just let it let it let it go. I mean, let it let it pass before you and and I, I mean, just thinking of things in isolated incidents in my own mind. You're absolutely I absolutely agree with you that that most of the time the event has already passed, or it's out of our control. We can't do anything to control what is or what has been, and, and but yet we we get caught up in in these these emotional responses to it, and and it's to no avail. It doesn't change anything. I, I, that's going to be a big takeaway for me today, is to to just make sure that when I'm looking at things that have happened, especially things that are that just are, and I can't do anything about it. Or things that have happened, I can't do anything about it. To just step back and just observe it, and just just uh, acknowledge all the the feelings yeah. and the emotions that go with it, but realize that that I'm powerless to change anything, and I just just have to acknowledge things as they are. I, I really I really yeah. appreciate that.
1: Yeah, it's very healthy to do that. I I want to mention something else that's also very empowering, and some and this other thing also dramatically reduces our level of stress. It has to do with power of choice. Um, How many times do we all find ourselves, it's just part of being human, we find ourselves saying, oh, I have to go to this doctor's appointment, or I have to go to the store, or I have to go somewhere, and I don't feel like going, I really, but I've got to go, and I end up just feeling sad or maybe stressed, uh, depressed about it. Um, well, the reality is, and I tell people this all the time, in fact, in my class at the College of Marin here in the San Francisco Bay Area, I I love to announce to the class, uh, usually in the third class, I say, you know, there's nothing in this world that you have to do. And people are like, well, what do you mean? I have to go to work. Uh, my kids have to go to school and all this. And I say, no, they don't. No, you don't have to go to work. And And I ask them, you know, they look perplexed, and I say, well, what would happen if you didn't go to work? And they say, well, if I didn't go to work, I'd end up homeless, so I have to go to work. And I say, well, wait a minute. So it sounds to me like you're making a choice to go to work because you're choosing to, to provide for yourself, to provide for your family. That's a choice, a very wise choice. So... The more we can recognize throughout the day that we are making choices all day long, um, the the healthier and the happier we will be. Um, It's not happy-making to spend our, throughout the day, go around saying, oh, I have to do, talk about all the things that I have to do. You know, look at my calendar. I think, oh, man, I've got so many things that I have to do today. So what I recommend is every night, Before bed, look at your calendar and preface each one of those things on your calendar for the next day with, I am choosing to. And then every morning, same thing. When you get up every morning, look at your calendar and preface everything on your calendar with, I am choosing to do this. And don't leave it at that, but to make it more real – to make it work more for you. When you see those things and you're prefacing each activity with I'm choosing to, remind yourself of why you're choosing it. What value does it meet for you? There's a reason that you put these things in your calendar. They they mean something to you. They add value to your life in some way. And so remind yourself of those things. That is is the path to real empowerment and and a real deep sense of increased well-being.
0: Yeah, I like that. I really like that. And uh you know you're absolutely right and I and I appreciate you bringing that I agree completely. I appreciate you for bringing that forward because because so many times I, I hear people saying it and I know I've I've said it myself or have had that mentality, I have to do this, or, yeah, I've got to do this, or I've got to do that, and, and that's that's not reality. And I think, uh, you know, in what you said, going back and, and looking at your events, the things that you have coming up or the things that you're going to be doing, understand that you have the choice, and you do have the choice, ultimately having that choice is a very powerful position to put yourself in. Uh, Larry, this has been a fascinating and a, a wonderful conversation. You've shared so many gems of of insight and wisdom, and I know that there are people who are listening to this and they're they're thinking the same thing. And so I'm wondering, uh, if someone is interested in finding out more about you or connecting with you, what's the best way for someone to find out more about you and how to get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, so there are a few ways. Uh, One is um, my book, which is available in bookstores all over the country, or you can buy it online. Uh, from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or in my area, a lot of bookstores carry it. The title of the book is In Your Own Hands. The subtitle is New Hope for People with Chronic Medical Conditions, Mindfulness-Based Practices for Mastering Well-Being. But the book is really for people who just want to improve well-being, improve happiness. So the book is one way. Uh, For any of your listeners who happen to be living in the San Francisco Bay Area, especially the North Bay, uh, San Francisco, Marin County, Sonoma County, West Contra Costa, any of those areas. Uh, I teach a class at College of Marin in Marin County called In Your Own Hands, the same title as the book, and they can take that class. It's offered year-round. Uh, another way is to tune into my website. My website is www.larryberkelhammer.com. It's Larry, B-E-R. I'll uh, start the spelling it. B-E-R-K-E-L-H-A-M-M-E-R. So it's com, my website. And then also I write for Psych Central. So you can check out my blog on Psych Central.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And I wanted to thank you again for for taking the time to join me today and share your insight, your wisdom, share your the things that you found through your research. And, and I just wanted to thank you and express my gratitude to you for, for just taking the time to join me today. I really appreciate that
1: well, thanks for having me, Victor.
0: Not, not a problem. my pleasure so uh if you're listening to this interview and it sounds fascinating to you and it sounds like you know that you, that you've discovered something here today, uh, whether it's understanding the power of choice as we finished up with or, or the power of your thoughts, or you've understood better now the the impact of of having having that 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 sense of well-being of happiness, deep happiness. If any of these things have resonated with you, uh, please make sure that you go check out Larry's website uh, and, and find out more about what he has to offer. He's got, he's got a lot of resources on his website. He's got a, a blog that he updates with videos, and he's got questions, Q&As. He also has other interviews on here, so make sure you check it out. I, I know you'll enjoy it. Thank you so much for joining me today on Quantum Communicator. I appreciate it. Have yourself a good day, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Goodbye.